Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. KMOX is at your service. Welcome to the St. Louis Composting Garden Hotline, sponsored by Allen's Tree Service. Now, here's your host, Mike Miller on KMOX. Yes, good gardening, folks. We are live and lively from St. Louis Composting World Headquarters. That's down here in Valley Park at 39 Old Elam Avenue. If you need anything, information-wise, product-wise, they've got it bagged, they've got it bulk, they've got it all right here or any of the other five locations. Here is the phone number, 636-861-3344. Great website, stlcompost.com. And now that you know where we are, how's your landscape doing? Thank goodness. Yes, this is an Earth Day circumstance, weekend and everything else. I'm glad it rained. It was getting way, way too dry. The earth in this area and this region needed some rain, so this was perfect for Earth Day. Yes, it's going to make it a little tough on some people, but it's uh, not raining down here in Valley Park right now, so it's uh, maybe not raining in a lot of different other places also. So if you'd like my help, if you have any questions, I'm here, and uh, I'm... My garden path is not the only one to take, but uh, just to help you make good, sound decisions. And it is a marathon. Here's the phone number, 314-436-7900 or 1-800-925-1120. The true brains behind this live and lively broadcast this week is Greg. He's back in studio producing, so when you call, he'll ask for your name and where you're calling from. And Ben, he's the engineer, the remote engineer, and uh, he's the one that makes sure that I don't have to touch any dials or anything whatsoever because I'm afraid of them. Anyway, I'm Mike Miller. I've been doing the Garden Hotline since 1994. I've written five gardening books. Two are currently available at various locations. And during the week, I do landscape consulting. And if you'd like to have me come to your home and do a walk and talk, you can go to my website, www.mikemillerdesigns.com. There's monthly updates there as well. And uh, you can email me or call me, and we can set up a consultation date. So today, after the show, I'm headed up to uh, St. Louis Street, I believe, in uh, Florissant. So now the Good Gardening Stroll, which is brought to you by, what a coincidence, St. Louis Composting, 636-861-3344. Sky lightens as the clock moves closer to 7 o'clock. Rain's falling, but don't let that interfere with your Earth Day plans. I turn on to old Elam. Through the gated area, sign reminds, no smoking beyond this point. St. Louis composting, huge bins of products, lots of bags of products as well. So you don't have to come and have a front loader dump a bunch of stuff in the trunk of your car. There's bags of everything. I pull up to some of the bagged area and I load two compost bag, bags of compost, I should say, in the back of my car. And uh, this is my station wagon. I shouldn't say my car. It's not really a car. It's a station wagon. But anyway, I do that for top dressing. And that's what I choose to do. So the top, yes, there's all kinds of stuff you know, to take a look at. A front loader moves by and it's uh, turning right, heads down and starts mo- methodically moving all the material in some of the bins. 
making sure everything is nice and neat. That's what St. Louis, you know, that's just one of the aspects of St. Louis composting. It's well thought out space planning wise, and then everything is orchestrated in a great procedure standpoint. So Patrick Garrity put this whole concept together, and they keep fine-tuning, and it really works well. A couple of people have already pulled in to get products, so the rain has stopped here. So if you need any kind of product, bagged or bulk, they've got it right here. So Valley Park Facility is only one of five other facilities throughout the metropolitan area. As you come into the building, there's a sign that says, No Muddy Shoes, so stay outside. They do have some planting around, you know, lots of different planting, but unfortunately I couldn't review all of it because of the rain, because you know something about water, rain, and a paper doesn't work so well. But right on the, I guess it's the south side of the building, you're going to see hornbeam trees, you're going to see areas that uh, have ornamental grasses in them. Peony really budded. It's not, it's going to probably bloom maybe a little bit before uh, the end of May, but still it's going to be great. So as you step in through the door, there's all kinds of informational sheets, everything from leaf mulch to field turf enhancer. There's product, you know, there's listing prices and in jars you can check out the various products, you know, the mixes of topsoils and things like that as well as the mulch. They do have a, a type of fertilizer here too called Sustain. It's an organic fertilizer, low analysis, which is just right. And the great staff here behind the counters will answer any kind of questions that you may have. So Mike Miller, KMOX Garden Hotline, 314-436-7900 or 1-800-925-1120. Back after these messages. Welcome back to the St. Louis Composting Garden Hotline. Once again, here's Mike Miller on KMOX. Yes, folks, welcome back. We're live and lively from St. Louis Composting's World Headquarters down here in Valley Park on Old Elam. Other locations all throughout the metropolitan area from the east side to further southwest. If you want information on other locations, 636-861-3344 or check out the website, stlcompost.com. Uh, before we get to the calls, John and from New Melly is going to be first, but... Uh, Somebody called last week. I think she was from Creepcore, and something was digging holes in her backyard. I came up with all these, you know, potential type things. But somebody emailed me and said it might be armadillos. So yes, there are armadillos in the region. So armadillos could be in Creepcore digging holes. And then also somebody called and asked about spraying beer and stuff like that on your uh, your garden, your landscape, your grass, and everything else. And I said, well, why bother doing that? You mean have a party over and everybody gets drunk and spills beer all over the place and then your lawn is going to look a heck of a lot better? Well, apparently the gentleman who came up with this concept of spraying beer, uh, somebody emailed me and said that what they, you know, the idea was that if you spray beer on your lawn, it helps dethatch. I thought, hmm, maybe so. But maybe if you drink enough beer, you don't even care about the thatch. So who knows about those kind of things? I figure there's products, you know, whether it's made here at St. Louis Composting or any other place, they're specifically for that. So why use soda or beer or anything like that in your outdoors? Let's go to John and Numelli. John, how are you today? Uh, good morning, Mr. Miller. Uh, I have questions about Rosa Sharon plants. Okay. Um, I have several. And uh, it has an ongoing problem with the buds that come out, come out uh, in uh, a great number. They don't open up. 
they just lay there on the on the the twigs and they die. Uh, that's been going on for years, and I wondered, um, is it from lack of fertilizer, perhaps? Uh, how, what's now? You get no flowers that open up at all? Oh yes, some some do. Yeah, they, they open up, but then there are others. Oh. It's later later in the year, I guess. Right. Basically, it. anything when it's flowering, it really stresses the plant out. So the Rosa Sharon fertilizing certainly might help using a shrub type fertilizer, you know, to help with the energy aspects of it. If the foliage is kind of palish, you know, more chartreuse than green, that's an aspect too. So it may be soil pH. If you're really serious about this, you might get a soil test done where the Rosa Sharons are growing, find out what the chemistry is of the soil there, then consequently you can make the adjustments according to that. But if you're just having some of the buds fall off, uh, I wouldn't be overly concerned with it. And I'm sure since you've been watching the Rosa Sharon for several years, you know that the flowers only last for one day, and then they curl back up and fall off. Well, these, these never open up. Oh. Right, I understand that, but I mean, it just shows you when the you know when they do open, they're going to not last all that long. So the ones that don't open up, that you know, your Rosa Sharon just doesn't have the strength because the flowering just stresses the plants out too much, and they're just saying, you know, we can't afford to open up ten thousand flowers. We'll just open up five thousand. Yes, I understand. Well, um, what about uh, the size of the plant? Now, should they be trimmed back? That's strictly a personal choice. You don't have to prune them, but if you want to prune them, you know, that's really up to you. Anything that flowers in the summertime, like the Rosa Sharon, you're going to prune that sometime before the new growth begins in the spring. But uh, you can prune it all the way up through, you know, late fall, early winter if you'd like to. Well, this is, they have already begun growing. Right. Mm. So today, this year it's too late. Um, all right. Some of these are 8, 9, 10 feet tall. Right, then, some of them, there's some Rosa Sharon in my neighborhood that are like 12 to 14 feet. Uh, well, uh, thank you, Mr. Miller. You've yeah. been a great help. Well, great. Well, thank you, and thanks for calling and having me on your show. Let's jump from New Melly to University City and go into Mike's yard. Hi, Mike. Hi. Hey, I'm outside. Uh, I turned on the water spray clerk. I, I heard you say that even though the, the water, uh, we had rain and Additional water would be helpful. Oh, and by the way, $180 an hour. Wow, that's a lot of money. $180 an hour. I, I looked at your website. That's what, that's what you charge for your walk and talk. Wow, man, I wouldn't let you within 180 feet of my house. Thank you, sir. Mike, why don't you stop calling the radio station? You just are nothing but, you know, a headache. <laughs> Let's go now to Karen, and Karen's in Manchester. Hi, good morning. I'm calling about, I have a backyard greenhouse with raised beds. I put organic soil and compost in it and planted, and everything's growing really well, but I have a zillion little mushrooms popping up. So as soon as I pull them out, of course, there's a new crop the next morning. Is that going to be something that hurts the plants, or should I treat it? No, the mushrooms actually just grow on dead stuff, so they don't impact the live plants whatsoever. So you know, you don't need to worry. Now, did you add something to the soil recently? No. Oh, nothing at all. So you no, must have added some. Oh, go ahead. No, I, I'm wondering if it just came out of the spores that might have been in the compost I bought at, at the nursery. I didn't put anything in there. Well, you, if you buy your compost at St. Louis Compost, you're not going to get mushroom growth. 
Okay, I I bought it at another greenhouse, or I mean a nursery, so I thought it was good. Right. Well, I mean, there is good stuff out there. It's not only, but I mean, they test everything to make sure you're not going to have problems like that. But the mushrooms are not going to cause problems with your live plants. Oh, perfect. That's what I needed. Great. Thank you. And let's see. Let's get another call. That was Karen in Manchester. Let's go to Greg in Bloomington, Illinois. Actually, our producer, Greg, is from Bloomington, so maybe you guys know each other. Hey, Greg, how are you? Good morning. Good morning, Mr. Miller. Uh, hey, uh, your, your show is a real blessing to all of us, so callers that call in like that, we'll just ignore. Hey, um, <laughs> I'm, uh, I'm pretty particular about my grass. Uh, up here at, uh, in this part of Illinois, we've got bluegrass in our lawns, and mm-hmm. up by the the front of the lawn near the curb where uh, the snow plows go by and a lot of salt the uh, the turf up in that area of my lawn is just it's not doing well and I, I don't know if it's it's being an, um, you know the, the salt from the winter is, is causing an issue do you have any tips on what I can do to uh, get to the root of that Well, basically, the salt may be a factor, but anything, especially bluegrass, which doesn't like heat when it's growing next to a sidewalk, a patio, anything that's concrete, a road, that road, that surface really absorbs the heat and then more or less burns or fries the soil a couple inches in. That's why the strip along those kind of areas really never looks good. So there's really not too much you can do. If it is related to some of the salt factors of winter salting, uh, put gypsum down right after the salting is done and just sprinkle it lightly because the gypsum will bind up the actual quality of the uh, salt and carry it down past the root systems and everything else. But my guess is it's probably more related to just the surface, the concrete, or whatever it happens to be, absorbing the heat and just making it too hot for the bluegrass to be successful. Okay. Well, thank you very much. Well, great. Thank you. And let's see if we can get another call before we take a break. Uh, Craig lives in Swansea. Hi, Craig. Hey, good morning, Mike, and thank you. thanks to you and KMOX for your service. Um, I want to talk a little bit about a locust tree. It was about 25 feet tall, and it blew over last June. And we had to cut it up and haul it away and cut it off at the, mm-hmm. the ground line. And all of a sudden, we started to notice some shoots coming up. And I called you last year and said, hey, will they grow? And you basically advised me to pick my favorite one, trim the rest, and take care of it. And sure enough, it's growing. It's now about two and a half feet tall. And uh, the top three, two to three inches, looks like it died through the winter, but it's got a zillion little shoots coming out with leaves on them, and it looks very, very healthy. And, and my question is, what do I do now? Do I, do I prune some of those down close to the ground? And what do I do about that dead part at the top? Cut it off, let it go. Yeah, what anything you, what that's dead, any, any, yeah, anything that's dead, you know, that doesn't have any foliage on it at all, definitely just prune that off because it's an aesthetic problem more so than anything. And beyond that, I wouldn't prune anything else because you want to keep the maximum amount of leaves that you can because it's nutrients and moisture that come up from the root system up to the leaf, and then the leaf uses sunlight to create chlorophyll, which is plant food. So you want to maximize the amount of leaves that are on it right now. So it's going to look a little bushy for a while, but uh, yes. if, it, if it grows at this rate uh, in a couple of years, it'll look like a tree. 
Right, and then you could limb it up and you can cut off the lower branches. So, yeah, just leave everything alone for a couple of years. Great. Hey, thanks again for your, your advice, and uh, it's always great to listen to your program. Thanks. Well, great. Well, thanks for having me on your show. Mike Miller, KM Weiss Garden Hotline, back after these messages. Welcome back to the St. Louis Composting Garden Hotline. Once again, here's Mike Miller on KMOX. Yes, folks, we are live and lively at St. Louis Composting World Headquarters down here in Valley Park on Old Elam Avenue, 636-861-3344, stlcompost.com. If you want information on other locations, which are all over the place, they have lots of bulk products, they have lots of bag products. And joining me right now is the true founder of St. Louis Composting. Patrick, it's great to see you. Morning, Mike. Nice uh, to see you. Yes, I mean, it's hard to believe we've known each other for like four decades. I I, think you're right. I don't think we were great back then, were I, we? I know I wasn't. <laughs> but, uh, I mean, what a great concept. I remember when you were just, you had a trailer down here and you kind of just had a pile right. of stuff. Right. And I came down and visited you. And you had this vision, and wow, you have really turned this into something unbelievable. We've been very fortunate. Right. Yeah. And this is Earth, you know, this is Earth Day weekend, but every day at St. Louis Composting is Earth Day. It because is. you reuse, recycle, and I mean, it's the it's just absolutely unbelievable. Sure, composting is one of the best methods of recycling there is. Right, most effective. And with the type of soils we have in this region, adding organic matter to the soil is a must. It is. It is. I, I mean, people fool around and they try fertilizing and stuff like that, but that's not going to. That's more or less for the cosmetic aspects of things. You got to have good soil, or it right. just doesn't work. You have to have to feed your soil. Right. Exactly. And I learned that you know early on from the fact that I worked at the Botanical Garden in the English Woodland Garden, mm -hmm. and they just stuck all the plants in there with all the trees and everything else. And I, was, I started there in 77, which was the English Woodland Garden started in 76 for the bicentennial. But uh, I realized, you know, from the way plants mm -hmm. were performing, that there needed to be organic matter added to the soil to create a res raised bed. And you guys actually have a product called Ra Raised Bed Mix. We do. We do. It's... Um Mixture of compost and pine fines and a few other things in there that works real well in the in the raised beds. So who comes up with these new ideas like the raised bed mix? Uh, combination of different people on staff. Uh, we've got a couple salesmen that are very um, very sharp on the on the different soil mixes and uh, just trial and error, doing a little bit of growing tests ourselves and perfected each a little bit more each year. Great. I mean, it, and the thing the thing I think is really great is yes, there was you know a couple of years ago you had a product that wasn't performing as it should have. You took it off. Correct. I mean, you you don't fool around with that. You don't say, well, let's just reduce this by fifty percent or something like that. Right. You want good quality product, and that's what it's all about. That's what it's all about. That and doing your soil tests. You know, striving for that five percent organic content in your soils is right. what you need to shoot for. Well, great. Well, it's great to see you, nice and see I know you. you're going to be busy for the rest of the day, so uh, just be careful, and thank you Pre very much. Appreciate you coming out. Sorry it's not a bright, sunshiny day. I don't care. I, I, I know. <laughs> it's, Earth day, it's Earth Day, and we needed the rain. We did. We did. The ground was so dry. Yeah. I mean, it was just unbelievable. Right. But if you have organic matter in your soil, it makes a big difference that on the house. It, it sucks. Does. It goes in and just doesn't run off the surface. Very true. Great. Great. Have a good day. Yep, you Thanks, too. Mike. And now let's go back to the phones. Let's go to Jackie and Ledoux. Hi, Jackie. Hi, Mike. Thanks for your program. Uh, we brought banana plants in last winter and just took them out last weekend. And the one is so large, my handyman could hardly get it in the basement. 
uh, really heavy. He said it weighed a couple hundred pounds. My question is, can we divide that, the banana plant? You know, it had multiplied. That's why it was so big. Okay, so, so it has a bunch, of stu- a bunch of bananas coming off the base? Not, no, not necessarily. It has a bunch of stuff. It just has a single... Up. You know, yeah, if it, it, does it have a single trunk or does it have multiple no, trunks? No, it has multiple trunks. Like I say, it's Okay, multiple. so it's a little bit difficult to divide it, but you could try one and just, you know, take a, something very sharp, cut it off as close to the existing trunk as you possibly can, let that dry. So after you cut it off, first of all, also watch out for the banana juice sap because it will stain your clothes and those stains oh. will never come out regardless of what you try. Oh, wow. So just okay. do that. Let it let the end dry. Get some potting mix for starting plants, and just stick you know the you know let's, let's say the trunk that you cut off into cut off. a pot and grow it that way for one season and see what happens. Mm-hmm. I just hope the rest of it isn't because it was a beautiful plant. It grew large. The leaves must have been five feet long. It was beautiful. Right. I just hope I They're don't ruin the main durable. plant. <laughs> no, that won't at all. A gentleman up the street from me. On Federer, he grows, he takes his bananas in every year. He just brought his out last week as well. And mm-hmm. they're just stumps right now. So, right. But then the new growth is going to come. Uh-huh. Okay. I just hope that dividing them is okay for that main stump. Oh, yeah, that's I fine. To ruin it. It should work. Yeah. Okay. I, so, I mean, when I worked in, you know, at the Botanical Garden, first four years was in the English Woodland Garden. The last year was in the Climatron, and we were taking divisions off the bananas, and there we, we were using just a really sharp spade because the bananas were so big. And okay. we were just, uh, you know, basically we were dividing them because some of the people, some of the staff members took some home, yeah. and then some of it was just because they got so big, we just didn't want any more, let's say, trunks coming out of the ground. Right, yes. Yes, it gets hard to handle. Right, very much. Okay, we'll do that with a sharp knife, like you said. Okay, thanks so right. much. Thank yeah, you. and yeah. it's not really that difficult to do, but definitely let the end of it heal. So when you touch it, it's not sticky anymore. So in other words, if you stick it in the ground right after you cut it off, it's going to be too moist, and you're probably going to get some interior rot on it. Oh, let it dry outside. I mean, take it outside yeah. and let it dry. It doesn't matter where you let so it dry, just so the okay. end of it is dry. Okay, good. I'm glad to know that. Okay, I hope All I right. didn't put them in. I hope we didn't put the other ones in too early. <laughs> no, no, you're fine. No weather. Okay, hope hope that's no. Still. Okay, thank you so much. Sure. And now let's go to South St. Louis, and that's where Jane lives. Hi, Jane. Hey there, Mike. How are you this morning? Very good. How are you? Oh, pretty good. A little wet around the edges, but that's all right. Um, right. My guy, I had this for Cynthia Bush. It's beautiful, but at one point it had some dead wood in it, so I removed the dead wood, and now it's just a beautiful bush, but it's growing a little cattywampus, as they say. Is May I trim some of this wild and woolly growth off of it or would that hurt it or no that won't hurt it at all and this is the ideal time to prune anything that flowers in the springtime you should get it pruned before we get into the mid you know let's say mid-june or something because the whole chemistry of the plant could start uh, setting the buds up for the next year so do your pruning you know within two months of the time it flowers and you should be fine Oh, that's great, Mike. Hey, listen, thanks a whole bunch, and we really appreciate your show, okay? Well, thanks for having me on your show. Mike Miller, KMOX Garden Hotline, back after these messages. 
Welcome back to the St. Louis Composting Garden Hotline. Once again, here's Mike Miller on KMOX. Yes, folks, live and lively from St. Louis Composting Valley Park location, and a happy tree truck just drove by. That truck was smiling. Let's go to Jim, and he's from south of Eureka. Hi, Jim. How are you doing? Very Um, good. Last week you had a gal talking about holes in her yard. Yeah. Um, We had the same situation. We finally figured out what it was. Uh, We've had a lot of rain. Mm -hmm. When, When people build houses... I, I don't know if she's in a subdivision or not, but the yard yeah, she's is... She's in Creve Corps, so my guess is probably. Probably. Um, when they, they dig out the foundation, they don't haul all the dirt away, the rock and everything underneath. No, they don't. And they just re-terrace the lawn and then put grass over it. With all the... Like, my house is 30 years old, but I didn't start getting holes until a couple of years ago. And basically, it's where she's probably got them all on the flat area of the yard, and the water sits on it, and finally they, it drops through the the rock or whatever debris they got out of where the basement is. Right. And that's what was causing mine. And she can keep filling it, and it'll keep doing it. Eventually it'll stop, but that's what mine was. Yeah, I mean, there's air pockets when if it's not filled, even if it's compacted and everything else, so that could certainly be a possibility. Like I said at the beginning of the show, a gentleman had emailed me saying that he'd seen armadillos digging in his yard, and he'd seen some. They'd put, actually put out some cameras and watch for it. So there's all types of possibilities, but you know, thanks for the insight on that one because that's certainly a, you know an option. I don't know how old her house was or anything else, but uh, like you said, if there's a big air pocket down there in the soil that... And it's going to keep, you know, the soil is just going to keep bleeding down into it until it's filled, and it may take, you know, multiple years. But thanks a lot, Jim. You're quite welcome. Great, thanks. And now let's go from uh, Jim's yard over to Chris's yard, and he lives in Vela, uh, Villa Ridge. Hi, Jim. Or sorry, Chris. Hi. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Jim's my brother. I'm Chris. Um, thanks, Mike, for <laughs> having me on. Um, I, sure. I kind of have a question related to um, submerged plants. I'm trying to figure out how to deal with them. Um, we purchased the property a couple of years ago, and it's got a two- to three-acre lake on it. Mm. And when we bought it, it had some, you know, it had pretty good clearance on the bottom, um, but the previous owner had put in a bunch of fish but not grass carp. So everybody's like, buy some grass carp, make sure the moss stays down. Well, they're, they're work, those little guys are working as hard as they can, but apparently that's not enough, so I'm, I'm kind of wondering, I, I had also bought a cutter, you know, one of those you throw out, a V-cutter, and in that size lake, it's, I'm, I'm realizing the futility of trying that. So I'm, I'm just wondering, I had heard there were chemical or some kind of spe- solutions that you could put in there to help get the moss down. Because um, one right. at the end far from the lake, uh, dam is when I go out in a boat, it's, it's up at the surface. So I'm, I'm just looking for a solution. Yeah, probably what I would recommend is go to the University of Missouri Extension Service because they're going to have up-to-date as far as moss control. And uh, you can do it online. You can just, you know, go to University of, you know, University of Missouri Extension Service. You can also go to the Missouri Botanical Garden, which is moboot.org, and just, you know, put the question in related to this. But the, th- the trick is with this is also don't treat your entire lake at one time. You can only treat – 
you know, let's say 25% of it at a time because when the moss is being killed or the algae is being killed, it like causes real problems with the oxygen in the water and that could impact your fish. So just the individual products, I would say, again, go to the Missouri Botanical Garden or the University of Missouri Extension Service and find out what products, their newest products, you know, that they're going to recommend for you to use. Okay, that, that sounds great. Thanks much. Yeah, I mean, I, I could tell you, you know, the products, I'm not totally up to date with them, so there may be some newer ones, but those two places will give you exactly what you need to know. So now let's go to Frank, and Frank lives in St. Charles. Hi, Frank. Hey, uh, hi, Mike. Uh, hey, listen, years ago, I had an occasion to do some work for the Marriott by the airport. And I was going, mm-hmm. when I was going around the back, there were these trees, and I looked them up because the fragrance from these trees was, was just so beautiful. I, I don't want to say lilac or anything, but it was a perfume uh, smell. And a fellow called in this morning about a uh, uh, hornbeck. Am I saying that correctly? No, uh, I talked about hornbeams being on the side of the building here. Oh, yeah, no, hornbeam. And I remember looking it up, but I never remembered. And when when I heard that call, I thought, that's what it was, a hornbeam. And then I thought, well, maybe I'm wrong. And I just wondered if, do they put off a pronounced fragrance? Not really. No? Yeah, they, I mean, they're mainly grown because, it, you know, the variety that's grown is one that's called fastigated, so it grows very narrow, so it works in, like, you know, kind of tight spots. But there is a right. tree lilac, and, I mean, that will be fragrant. There are several other trees that have, you know, a fragrance as well, so it could be several different types. Do you remember the color of the flower that was on it? Well, I, actually, I didn't even see a flower, to be honest with oh. you. Uh, uh, but they were, uh, I would say, 15 feet from the back of the building, and there must right. have been 15 or 20 in a row. And I, I just, it was one of these things I was look. I wasn't even paying attention, but I thought, where's that fragrance coming from? And it was the trees. And I, I, yeah. I looked it up, but I'm 72 years old, so... You know, I don't <laughs> expect myself to remember too many things anymore. Right. So, I'm 68, so I understand. <laughs> right. Well, hey, may I make a comment to you? Sure. Please. Um, you've been in the business for 40-plus years. Right. And I, maybe I'm getting a little off base here, but the guy that called about your... your um, uh, whatever you charge, uh, right. you should understand that uh, divide that by 40 years, and I think you should be charging twice that much. Okay? <laughs> okay. So well, you have thanks. a great day, Mike. Okay? Well, thank you very much. And, yeah, if you're trying to figure out this tree again, what you, if you can remember what time of year it was feeling, you know, it was actually making some fragrance, you can go to, again, the Missouri you know, Botanical Garden website and just put in uh, fragrant trees and then fragrant trees, you know, creating the fragrance at a certain time of year. Because, I mean, even things like bald cypress, when they're first, you know, sort of, I guess the new needles are coming out, they even have a fragrance. That's not to say it was bald cypress that you were seeing. But there are several different trees that have a pretty good fragrance. Princess tree happens to be one that has a fragrance that I happen to like. So, 
who knows what it actually is. And uh, Jim, Gerard, and Bill, sorry we're not going to be able to get to you this hour, but we can certainly get to you next hour. Things that you need to be doing in your yard. I don't know how much it rained in your neighborhood, but... Get out there, get the sprinklers going, because you want to drive the water deeper into the ground. It only rained for, you know, a couple hours here in, let's say, South City and on the way down from, you know, South City here to Valley Park. And that's not enough to really hydrate our soils. The soils are still very, very dry. The way you can check your soil to see if it is dry, just go out there with a shovel or even a hand trowel or something and push it into the ground. You know, if the ground is wet more than a couple inches deep, then you're fine. But if the ground is dry just below the surface, then the rain, yes, it helped with humidity and everything else, but it really didn't do much beyond that. So, you know, just because it rained doesn't mean to turn off your irrigation systems or don't put the sprinklers out. So that is really crucial because the root systems on the plant material, they really need to be kept hydrated. So that is really very important for you to do. It's not that difficult to do. So Mike Miller, KMOX Garden Hotline. See you after the news. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law.